0: What is up today, guys? It's me, Joaquin, with L. Andrews of Utah. It is just me today. So I know that we were talking about doing, like, um, more episodes, so I'm actually gonna get to that, so whether or not it be myself, or Jacob, or Quentin, but <clears throat> like I said, I want to actually start doing this more productively and more on time, so... We said that we would do Mondays and Thursdays, so today, since it being, like, summer and whatnot, I wanted to actually, like, talk about Utah, and, um, I know, I'm sorry, I have to work on my public speaking, I don't really want to be saying, um, all the time, so, as I was saying, want to talk about utah specifically like utah county so i wanted to talk more about like um (laughs) i just said it i wanted to dive more deep into kind of like unsolved cases and uh mysteries murders paranormal etc kind of like dig deep down that alleyway but i'm going to start off with Something that no one really talks about. Like, I never heard about it living outside of of Utah when I was in California. It seems to be more of a Utah theme, so... What I want to get into is Nutty Putty, which is a cave. It's a hydrothermal cave located... It's kind of, like, west of Utah Lake. I mean, yeah, it's, like, west of Utah Lake, Utah County, so it's kind of, like, out in the Lehigh, Saratoga Springs area, out that way. Uh, it's pretty much, like, this really, really small cave with a small opening that was, like, pretty, like, popular amongst, like, cave owners and kind of, like, people who did, like, herbal exploration in caves. But it was, like, super narrow. Like, I guess you had to do, like, a certain way of getting inside and... Yeah, but... So, anyway, the cave was... Founded in 1960 by Dale Green. He was basically, um... Yeah, so I guess you basically... Sorry guys, I'm kind of like researching along as I'm doing this. I probably shouldn't do this, but bear with me. So I guess right now, as of today, it's managed and owned by the Utah Tibonangos Grotto. The name is believed to be related to the soft brown putty-like texture of the clay found by Green in many of its tunnels. It contains 1,400 feet of chutes and tunnels and prior to its closure had been accessible via a narrow surface hole. Before its closure in 2009, this cave had four separate rescues of caves, cavers and boy scouts who became stuck inside the cave's tight twist and uh, turns and crawls. In 2006, an effort was put forward to study and severely limit the number of visitors allowed inside the cave. So before that, like they actually closed it, I guess, there were so many... Uh, like, people exploring it and caves going ins- cavers going inside of it, but not really taking, like, the the safety precautions that like, you should take. And I guess they were saying that they had an estimate of, like, 5,000 or, like, five to 6,000 people a year, like, exploring the cave. So, they were saying that usually they're entering it at night, and they're failing to take safety, proper safety precautions. The caver's popularity had caused excessive smoothing on the rock inside the cave to the point it was particularly a fatality would occur in one of the cave's more prominent features, a 45-degree room called the Big Slide. On May, 4th, 20, on May 24, 2006, a gate was installed and the cave was temporarily closed in early 2009. Proper management was established and an application process was developed to ensure safety precautions were being met on May 18, 2009. The cave was reopened to the public. So basically for like a two and a half year. Yeah, so basically like for two and a half years. No, like a year and a month. Yeah, like a year and some change. It was pretty much close to the public. So, on November 24, 2009, a man named John Edward Jones died in the cave after being trapped inside for 28 hours. Basically, when he was exploring... His, with his brother, Jones mistook a narrow tunnel for the similarly tight birth canal. Passageway became stuck upside down into an area and measured by 10 to only 18 inches. Around 400 feet from the cave's entrance, a large team of rescue workers came to his assistance but were unable to retrieve Jones using a sophisticated rope and pulley system. After a pulley failed mid-extraction, Jones ultimately suffered cardiac arrest due to the strain placed upon his body over several hours by his inverted compressed positions. So basically, he was basically 300 or 400 feet from the entrance, but because of how fucking narrow it was and of how fucked up of an angle he was in, he couldn't be extracted and the pulley system that was trying to get him out fucking faulty and failed as well. So that poor guy was basically just there fucking suffering for hours on end and basically just died of cardiac arrest as a result uh, so basically rescuers concluded that it would be too dangerous to attempt to retrieve his body the landowner and Jones family came to an agreement that the cave would be permanently closed with the body sealed inside as a memorial to Jones explosives were used to collapse the ceiling close to Jones body and the entrance hole was filled with concrete to prevent further access a film about the tragedy called The Last Descent was released on September 16, 2016 so basically, this poor guy is still in there, like they never retrieved him and they couldn't retrieve him because of the lack of access that they had to get him and the difficulty of being able to get him, so furthermore, they pretty much uh, bombed the entranceway where he was at so nobody could access to him, so the poor guy is still in there, so RIP to you, Mr. uh Jones, I don't know. I don't know. It's a fucked up situation. Like I don't know. I've f- I know more or less where it's at. I haven't been to it, but I know more or less where it is at. I don't know. I feel like it would be a cool place to go visit. I just kind of like, I guess, be outside of it, but. At the same time, I guess me knowing that there's actually, you know, somebody in there, and he's not at peace, but, like, he is in there, and he wasn't really able to be laid to rest, I probably wouldn't visit it. I'm usually, like, we're usually down for our shit, we're usually willing to, like, go in and uh, check out all these places, abandoned, exploring, or whatever, haunted places, quote unquote, but i think for like the respect of him and the respect of the family and i don't know i I, I personally wouldn't feel comfortable going so i would uh just kind of pretty much just what i know about it right now like what i was reading to you guys so it's kind of that you know it's rest in peace homie that's fucked up on all on all areas honestly um so, in other words, I'll jump into another case right now, but, so last week, the reason why I wasn't able to do a podcast on Thursday was because I was in Arizona, and I probably should've, but I didn't, so I'm sorry about that, I apologize, Uh, it was hotter than fuck, it was like 118 every day, it was nice though, you know? I'm sorry, guys. Like, just bear with me. I know I'm, like... (sighs) I know this kind of feels, like, forced. Uh... Yeah, I'm not really trying to, like, make it be forced, you know? Damn. Oh, yeah, so... Pretty excited, honestly. Like Utah, they're kind of stepping their shit up a little bit, but it's kind of still far from it. The liquor stores, from what I've heard, are gonna start having like walk-in refrigerators with the beer inside, so it's cold. If you live in Utah and you go to like a liquor store, you know all the beer is like room temperature or warm. It's not cold at all. So I guess the newest one that's opening up in. I think it's Taylorsville. They're gonna be the first one to have. Um, they're gonna be the first one to have the refrigerator that you walk into. So that's kind of cool. And I guess from here on out they're gonna start like uh, installing at the ones that are already open. So like the Harriman one, you know, the one in Magna, the one in Tooele. So that'll be kind of cool to uh, you know get some fucking fresh beer. So I want to say like, hmm, I want to say like two years ago, was it two years ago? Uh, yeah, two years ago. So two years ago, I remember I was, I just, I was still living in my apartment complex in Midvale. Shout out videos. I remember hearing about this case about a missing uh, Utah uni- U- uh, University of Utah student that went missing and she was from Osagundo and they, I guess she yeah she went missing so I remember they fucking announced it and she met up with this guy from Rose Park in this uh, park like in North Salt Lake And it's kind of like over there by, uh, kind of like the Red Rocks off of, I want to say that's 600 West, and it's, okay, so it's kind of like North Temple area off of 900 South and 600 West, I want to say, like in that area, it's kind of like off the fifteen. By like Santo Taco, Santos Tacos, shout out Santos Tacos, but yeah, so that's where that was. At. It was like a park out by the factories, by the Beck Road, like a garage on Beck, out in that way. So <clears throat> I guess she met up with this dude, you know? I guess I don't know, sugar daddy, whatever. I, I don't know, but um, the guy's name was. Ayula Adisa Ajayi, he was 31, I remember it was like a big, big deal, cause like, this girl, like, went fucking missing, and then, like, nobody could find her, and people were saying that, um, you know, fucking, <clears throat> that they were smelling like, this odd smelling burning, Coming from this guy's backyard. Like he was burning something. But it was like a foul weird odor. That they were. That they were making. So. <clears throat> there was like bags and bags of evidence. Inside the. The backyard. Because I guess he, the neighbors. Didn't, they could see him dig holes and shit. And uh, he was burning something. So. I guess, you know, um, I guess in the, I'm sorry, in the, the burning, like, in the evidence of all the burning, what they found in the bags, it was, like, female human tissue and shit, and with the DNA that was from the other items that it belonged to, uh, this poor girl, and I guess some part of her was, uh, yeah it's just fucked up I remember like there was reports I guess he drove to Logan because I think he used to go to a um, Utah State University out in Logan. So there was kind of like reports of him like being out in Logan Canyon or something like that for I remember right So let me read this to you and I don't want to take anything out of context you know I just this is what I just I'm reading. So says Luick was last seen early on the morning of June 17th when she flew into Salt Lake City International Airport after attending a family funeral in her hometown of Al Segundo, California. Surveillance video at the airport recorded Luick making her way to a baggage claim and then getting into a lift vehicle. The Lyft driver told the police he dropped off Luick at Hatch Park in North Salt Lake at about three in the morning when another person in the car was waiting for her. That was when all communication from Luick's phone stopped, the chief said. On Friday, Brown said cell phone data collected from both Luick and Ayazi's phone put them at Hatch Park at the same time that early morning. Investigators confirmed that Luick and Ayazi had communicated with each other throughout the texting on June 16th, about 6 p.m. Brown did not know how long the two had been acquainted when they first met or how the two met each other. Cell phone data and social media apps became a huge part in the investigation as well as forensics. Brown praised his detectives on Friday before working nonstop since Luke was first reported missing on June 20th as well as a partnership, the partnerships his department was with the FBI and others and bringing in bringing a quick resolution to this case this was an us nah I'm not gonna read all that um so Ajahi denied seeing Lewis on June 17 and claimed he didn't know what she looked like even though Brown said detectives found he had Louie's dating profile and pictures of her on his phone aside of a few traffic tickets he had no criminal history in Utah he at one time lived in an apartment across the street from Hatch Park where well, Luke was last seen. Ayazi has seen two of roommates were evicted from North Salt Lake apartment in 2016 for failing to pay rent, according to court records. Um, yeah, so this is what I was saying. Ayazi sporadically attended Utah State University, taking classes at times during 20, 2009, 2010, 2015, and 2016. When he left after the fall semester, according to university officials, he never had a declared major on an undergraduate. Um, sorry guys um, it's funny cause like I remember reading about this and uh, watching something on the news about it and I guess like this contractor guy uh, was gonna go do work on his house and he wanted to make like a a safe room underneath this guy Ajahi's house And he said that he wanted to make it so he could just go down there and, like, work out and lift weights and, like, basically not be able to be heard that he could bump all the music as loud as he wanted to, not bug anybody. So, I guess when they kind of gave the guy an estimate, they went back out to kind of go, him and I think he said it was his nephew or some sort, they went outside to go talk about it, about doing the job. The nephew said, like, are you really gonna take this job? Like this one just seems off to me. And I guess the contractor was like, Fuck no, we're not doing this. We're like, I don't like I don't like this we you know, this this feels funny. And then he said, Sure enough, I think that was only like call me if I'm wrong, but I think he said it was like a few weeks or a month or so many months before this you know, incident happened, but um Yeah, but I remember like Driving with uh, the homie, you know, at Captain Borax. You know, shout out Chris Morrison. We actually drove out to the Logan area, just kind of out that way to kind of see what was up with the whole case and everything. You know, see if maybe any of the the detectives knew about it or anything. And we even asked like detectives in like Brigham City, Bingham, uh, Brigham, yeah, Brigham City, out that way by going up north. And none of them really knew you know they or they just I guess they couldn't really talk about it, which is fine, I understand you know, as well as uh I remember we were in Brigham City, and we were at this gas station, and Chris and I mentioned it to the the gas station attendants who were there they're both you know maybe one of them was like I don't know maybe early to mid fifties and the other one's probably like late thirties. And we mentioned it, and they kind of, like, looked at us, like, oh, no, shut the fuck up, you know, we're not going to talk about that here right now, like, that's a no-no, you know, and I get it, you know, maybe, maybe some people don't want to talk about it and shit, but I get it, you know, it's, it was really fresh, too, you know, I think it only happened, like, a week after the fact, so, it's some fucked up shit, man, you know. Things are changing in Utah, man, like, it's not bad, but it's just, it's getting bigger. So, you know, there's, with more people moving in, there's going to be more crime and all this other bullshit. Mount Utah um, eventually Jake and I want to go to um, we want to go to Skinwalker Ranch it's out here in Utah it's not it's not too far from us it's like out like in Utah County Um, I'm going to kind of just go off of what I'm reading right here I know about it, but I guess it'd be better if I talk about it right here, so... Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch, is properly located on approximately 512 acres. Southeast of Ballard, Utah, that is reputed to be the site of paranormal and UFO-related activities. Its name is taken from the Skinwalker of Navajo legend, Conserving Vengeful Shaman. Basically, like a demonic entity, basically. Um... So, it says, UFO reports in the Utah Basin were publicized during the 1970s, claims about the ranch first appeared in 1996 in the Salt Lake City, Utah, Deseret News, and later, later in the alternative weekly Las Vegas Mercury, as a series of articles by investigative journalist George Knapp. Sorry about that, fellas and ladies and gents. Um, yeah. So the ranch located in West United County bordering the Ute Reservation was properly dubbed the UFO Ranch due to its ostensible 50-year history of odd events taking have taken place there. According to Kelleher and NAP, they saw or-, or investigated evidence of close to 100 incidents that include vanishing and mutilated cattle sightings of unidentified falling objects or orbs large animals with the piercing red eyes that are said with unscathed when struck by bullets and invisible objects emitting destructive magnetic fields. Among those involved were retired U.S. Army Colonel John B. Alexander, who characterized an NIDS effort as an attempt to get hard data using a standard scientific approach. His um, catamulations have been part of the de- folklore of the founding area for decades. I mean, I don't know. Uh, i would be down to go visit it. I don't really give a fuck what anybody says. But. I think it'd be pretty cool. I know, like, some of my homies are kind of scared to go do it, but. I'll be down fucking it. Why not? So, before I let y'all go. There's this cool little spot. I've been to several times. It's, uh it's called Merkur Merkur Cemetery so basically um, (coughs) Merkur used to be a used to be a a booming mining town like back in the day it's kind of like, I want to say it's maybe like 25 minutes west of Tooele, Utah. So basically, uh, it was like around like in 1893. And at one point, the town was home to well over 5,000 people. However, in 1902, a fire broke out the town and it never recovered. By 1913, the last mine was closed. And kind of all that's left are just memories of like the cemetery. It's pretty cool. You go up... And like... It's like an eerie feeling... But it doesn't feel like... Threatening... If that makes any sense... But there used to be... uh, There was like a... There was like a huge fire... In one of the, the mines... Back in the day... Yeah... So me get a little more uh, get a little more into this yeah 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 so know 1902 a fire that started in the business district of the town burned almost the entire city to the ground the town was rebuilt and money resumed again it's a Haiti there were about 5,000 residents like I said Merkur spotted a large Italian immigrant community. Uh, in 1916, there was only one building left, and in Marker. by 1930, it was all gone. I don't know. So, I don't know. I feel like this episode feels kind of forced. I kind of just did it the top of my head. I don't know. I really don't know what the fuck I'm talking about or what I'm doing but from here on out, I kind of want to do more of these, just, I don't know, I kind of just want to take it as it goes, but, I know for sure, I'll probably do one on Wednesday again with myself, before I do Thursday with Jacob, but, I, um, I'll look into my research and actually get more info related with my research, I think I'm gonna dig into more um unsolved murders and stuff. Might even like call Chris and see if he wants to join. So if you don't like this episode, I apologize. I wanted to give you guys something and I don't want it to feel forced. So I guess that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna post it because it's me being me. Like I'm not acting, I'm not faking a phone, so Although it feels like I don't know what to say I'm gonna post it And um These will get better So Thank you everyone For like rocking with us And I promise that these will get better Just kind of bear with me And then I'm gonna throw some suggestions To see what we wanna talk about And what you guys wanna talk about So Shout out to Santos Tacos Captain More Borax. Shout out to Utah Satire, Unsheltered Utah, Utah Foodie. Shout out to Salt Lake City Humor. Shout out to Al and shout out to everyone Utah. Third Strings, DJ Argus. So, thank you guys, and I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Bye.